We can't help but think of travel as having a couple of major governing factors, a destination and a time frame. Now, it's natural for most people to see it this way because few have unlimited time for a trip, therefore the time frame, and choosing where we want to end up, a destination, is kind of a human thing to do. But if we focus too much on those two planning points, the time frame and the destination, the essence of the trip seems to get lost. We tend to forget that the real adventure is in the journey, not the destination, and that can lead us down a path we never intended to visit. My name's Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Justin Vince. Simon Pavey. Brian Phil. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Elspeth Jansen. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. CyclePump.com. Okay. Uh, my name is Ronnie Altus. I am from Franklin County, Virginia, and I am a manager at a local uh, hospital. Ronnie, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you so much. Very glad to be here. Well, what does a manager at a hospital do? I am over the department, what they call guest services. Uh, and basically, when you come in the door, the people that greet you and get you where you're going in the hospital to get you registered um, and just make sure that you don't end up getting surgery when you're there for an x-ray. That's what my guys do. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And I like that guest services, too. It kind of makes it sound like, you know, you're going there because you want to go there. Hey, and that's that's the idea of it. That's that's what we're supposed to do. Make it a good, happy experience. How long have you been riding bikes for? Uh, as long as I can remember. I'm 47 years old, and um, I, there's pictures of me when I was, I guess, four or five. Uh, I already had a little 50, and my mom and dad rode, so it, it's been something that's been a part of my life as, as long as I can remember. What did your mom and dad ride? The cruisers? Uh, yes, yes. They had cruisers, um, and they've never really got away from that. That's pretty much what they've, they've always rode. Yeah, beautiful way to get around. Now, now are, they, are they travelers with their cruisers? They never were. Uh, they always stayed local. Um, my dad, as he's gotten a little older, um, has taken some smaller trips, um, you know, just basically overnight stuff, mm -hmm. uh, nothing real, real, real far out there. But he drove a 18-wheeler. Um, so he did a lot of traveling by that. So I, I grew up all over the United States uh, in that manner. Oh, so they did go overnight and they did go camping. They were, they were loading their bikes up and taking them places then. 
Well, it, 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 they did. They did. Uh, not a lot, though. Uh, driving the, the 18-wheeler, he did that as a job. Um, so he was gone a, a lot, uh, several nights a week, you know. And then during the summer when I was out of school, um, that that's what I did. I, I traveled with him in the truck. Oh, wow. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. You did see a lot yes. that way. Well, it, it was. I mean, I seen Disney World probably thirty times. Uh, never got to stop, but I seen it at about seventy mile an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, at least you saw it, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's the main thing. Hey, so so last year in in the middle of the pandemic, July twenty twenty, you decide to quit your job. Um, <laughs> You know, the first thing that pops in my head is why? <laughs> like that seems like a weird time, and you're laughing because you know darn well it sounds strange. And uh, not that we don't hear strange on this show, but uh, why? Well, uh, I had been with a car dealership uh, for roughly 25 years, and um, I had moved into management. Which, anytime you climb in the ladder, that's what you think you want to do until you get there and. You, you realize you may want to jump back off that ladder. Uh, it's a um, lot of hours. Um, Monday through Friday was 8.30 to 8. That was on its best days. Um, some days I was there till 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And then we were open Saturdays as well from 8.30 to 6. Uh, and once again, that's if you didn't have a customer or there wasn't somebody there. Um, so it had pretty much overtaken my life. Um, you know, the, I missed everything and thankful for, um, technology, um, like getting to see the kids do dance or, or their wrestling, stuff like that. I could be there on zoom on the weekends, uh, where I couldn't be there in person, but it got to the point it, it, it just wasn't worth it anymore. But that wasn't the only reason you didn't just quit your job because you got sick of it. You also had something else in mind. I did. Um, I had done um, some local, well, I'm not going to say local, state-to-state travel on a motorcycle. Um, We live right at the bottom of the Blue Ridge Parkway. Uh, We're very southern Virginia, uh, only about 40 miles from North Carolina, so a lot of beautiful mountain riding. And uh, we we rode a lot, but I had always wanted to ride uh, out west and hit Pikes Peak on the motorcycle. It was just one of those bucket list things. And I said, you know, I'm not getting any younger. It's time to pull the trigger and let's do it. So you quit your job, middle of pandemic, you, and you decide <laughs> to get on a motorcycle and ride across the country. Did you have any concerns at that point? Oh, uh, I feel like I should say I did, but honestly, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I really didn't. Um, it, it was just something I was, I was ready to do. And Honestly, uh, listening to your show and a, a lot of the folks on here a lot, it, it, it just, it, it really kind of set the tone. And I said, hey, let's, let's do it. How did it end up that your son decides to go along with you or you decide to take him? Uh, I, I grew up riding with my parents and um, he had, has been riding with me for quite a while. Um, and when I started talking about doing it, he just asked, hey, can I go with you? And it's like, heck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and your wife, Grace, does she ride? She does. She rides. Uh, she's actually had a couple of motorcycles of her own. Um, she's back to, to riding with me now. Um, but she does, you know, she'll take a spell. She'll, she'll want one of her own and we'll get her something. She'll ride for a little while and then jumps back on her back. <laughs> mm. So talk about this trip. What would you plan? 
Uh, the only real plan I had uh, was the, the destination of Colorado. Um, I didn't put a whole lot of effort into planning where we were going to be, where we were staying. Um, we threw a tent, a um, couple pairs of pants, a couple shirts, and um, away we went. That's it, and you and you have a destination, and and off you go. Uh, yeah, and and on your trip, what are you planning on doing? Staying in hotels or camping? We were uh, planning on mainly camping. Um, you know, a motel every once in a while just to get a shower. If you know where we were staying didn't have a bathhouse, or uh, but mainly camping was the goal. And you decided to stick to highways. You, know, you, you made a choice. Is this a normal thing you do, sticking to highways, or, or do you normally want to take back roads? I am 100% back roads, um, and I made a, a very bad decision with that. Uh, I made a lot on this trip, <laughs> and uh, it, it, I let the destination overtake the trip. Uh, I started looking at how far I could get, how quick I could get there, uh, so I could spend more time in Colorado instead of taking my time, slowing down, and enjoying the journey like I always have of getting there. Uh, that was my first big mistake. So why did you get focused on that? How, how did that happen? I think it goes back to, uh, I was telling you earlier, my dad being a truck driver. Um, his was always how far he could get and how quick he could get there, and that's how he got paid. Uh, so on family vacations growing up, um, it didn't matter where we were going. We were going as far as we could. We weren't stopping. And it was uh, it was more of a, a feat for him of how quick he could do it. And I think it's just something that has always been in my mind. Um, but I didn't realize how much it affected me until we started on this. And uh, as I was riding, I started calculating miles if I go this much further today, I can be there tomorrow. And um, I started getting a little overtaken with, with how far I could get. So your thing is is miles, I guess. A lot of times you're going for a ride, you're, you're sort of checking how many miles you go and, and saying, well, I did this in the weekend. Well, on the weekends, that's what's so, so strange about it. Uh, usually that is not a big thing. Uh, we are very happy getting up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. And if we go 20 miles and find a nice field and you know, stretch out and take a picnic. We're just as happy as if we, if we rode 2000 miles. Mm. Um, but I think the destination I, I had wanted to go to Colorado so bad, I think that just really started to take over. And, um, I missed a lot on the journey, uh, that, that I, I wish I could take it back and start over. <laughs> wow. Well, um, there was so much along the way that I should have stopped at, um, that I should have looked at. And honestly, um, the, the end result would have been a lot different. Um, and it, it, everything that happened on the trip, uh, which a lot of good, uh, but a lot of the bad as well was, was directly my fault from poor decisions. Because you're focused on covering the miles and you're not focused on uh, seeing the scenery. So you're saying if you went back and did it again, what would you do, shorten the trip? I, I wouldn't shorten the trip, um, but the trip would have been more uh, of what I see along the way. And that's the way I, I, I do like to travel. Um, a lot of times the absolute best trips that you have are when you're just out enjoying it with no real destination. 
Um, I think that's when you find a lot of the the coolest things out there. And um, the destination is is simply what you make it. Um, and uh, I, I missed out on a lot, uh, a lot of good stuff along the way, which we do plan on doing it over um, by being in a hurry. Did your son pick up on this at the start? Does he realize that you're sort of pushing it and you're doing a lot of miles and not really seeing much? He did. Um, and, and he actually, he mentioned it to me. Um, and I tell him, you know, hey, my game plan is, is if we can make it, um, you know, to X uh, by five o'clock this afternoon, by tomorrow we can be in Colorado. And I start telling him my plan. And of course, you know, he's, He's young, so he just buys right in with it and holds on for the ride, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ended up clipping a bridge. Now, you've got to tell this story in, in detail because I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't, well, I don't quite get what, it. Well, what happened um, is we were almost in Kansas City. We're going to take just a quick break. Stay with us. We've got a lot more coming up and a great story. As you can hear, we've left you hanging. You know, we all spend a lot of time thinking about what bags or what panniers we want for our motorcycle. Now, if you're looking at bags, have a look at Giant Loop. Giant Loop's motto is go light, go far, go fast. And, and here's what's really unique about Giant Loop is their approach of the of their designs and what they make. They make purpose-built products designed to enhance your riding experience. They eliminate the extra buckles and straps and which those extra buckles and straps often they just get in the way. They just end up flopping around. So they design lightweight products that are purposeful, reliable, and above all, extremely tough. Designed for anybody who rides a dual sport, even a dirt bike, riding up to an adventure bike. They've got a, a modular luggage system that, that can fit on any motorcycle and you don't need a rack either. That, that's one important thing. If your, your bike doesn't have a rack, maybe it, it can't even take a rack, you can still get Giant Loop products to fit on your bike and they stay put. Anyway, their website is giantloopmoto.com and you can buy their gear any, at any dealer that sells quality gear or through Giant Loop themselves. Giantloopmoto.com is their website and be sure to throw in there you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMS Products has been around since 1976. Way back in 1976, over 40 years ago, well over 40 years ago, they started making uh, hard parts for motorcycle racers. They continued to do that through the years and just about every off-road racer has some IMS product on their on their bike now, especially in the top levels. And there's a reason for that, because they take what they've learned over all of those years and they apply it to everything new they make. The company's always been run by ex-racers, uh, off-road racers, motorcyclists, and it's still that way now. The owner is still a motorcyclist and they stand behind their products. They have a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs, everything from the large ADV-1 and ADV-2, which is a huge platform, really nice for adding control and leverage to your bike, but as well giving you some comfort for the long stretches. So if you're doing that type of riding, if you're doing more technical riding, they've got smaller, more aggressive uh, tooth foot pegs. Their website is imsproducts.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio, imsproducts.com. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't quite get what, it. well, what happened um, is we were almost in Kansas City. Uh, actually, about we were about a mile from Arrowhead Stadium. 
Um, and when we had got up that morning, it had been raining off and on, uh, but nothing, nothing terrible, uh, just some sprinkles and, you know, kind of cloudy. Um, but we're coming up on a bridge uh, and it kind of rolls over. It's one of those you really can't see right over the edge. And we're on a, um, that one, if I remember correct, was an eight lane interstate. And I was passing a tractor trailer uh, and I look in the mirror to see if I can get over in front of the truck. Um, as I glance in the mirror and I'm coming over that instant that you look back up to the road, there's actually this large piece of steel uh, that connects the bridges together. Um, now, this piece of steel is probably a foot, foot and a half wide. And if I wouldn't have been as tired as I was and traveled the miles that I had, normally this is something that that I wouldn't have happened. This was a direct, you know, result of, of what I did. Um, I hit the piece of steel um, and we went down at about 70 miles an hour in front of a tractor trailer. Unbelievably scary. Now, now let me just ask about this piece of steel. So are you passing a vehicle like in a passing lane or, or are you actually hitting the, the, the curve or like, a, you know, the, the space between the fog line, the center line rather, and the bridge? No, we're, we're in a passing lane. Um, and it's really strange how they piece these bridges together there. Um, and with the rain, me having the bike leaned over, uh, if you've ever hit um, a, a white line, for example, or a painted line on the road when it's raining, how slick they get. Sure. Um, well, this is that times 10. Um, the instant I hit it, uh, the bike turned completely sideways. Um, absolutely nothing I can do. Um, oh, and hang on a second. So this was, metal piece that joins the bridges, yeah. we're talking about something that's embedded in the road. Correct. Oh, I, that's I'm correct. picturing yes, it's sir. a vertical thing that you're yes. hitting. That's what I'm picturing. I see. So no, this is, no, no, this is no. a piece of metal on the road as you go over it. It's slick, of course. Yes, we all know. It's like crossing correct. railroad tracks. And if you're not prepared exactly. for it, look out. That's correct. Uh, that's correct. And uh, uh, truthfully, uh, riding all my life, and I've done a little bit of, of racing back in the day, nothing professional, local level, uh, but I'm not a great rider, but I, I'm a good rider. Um, and it was instantaneous. Uh, it was one of those times it, it really humbles you, um, because there was nothing I could do. Uh, we were literally on the ground, uh, in the blink of an eye. What kind of bike are you riding? Uh, I'm riding a Suzuki C90 Boulevard Boss. And does it have traction control? Uh, it does not. So no traction control, ABS? Uh, no, no ABS or no traction ABS control. ABS or traction control. Because that's where traction control comes in, just in that instance right there. Yeah. And yeah. reduces your, your throttle. And next thing you know, you don't go out. This is one of those examples where had you been riding a bike with traction control, and not that you've done anything wrong there, because I don't, I don't think you, you have at all. But once, if you were riding a modern bike, modern bike, a newer bike with, <laughs> with traction control, it would have just been an incident that you wouldn't even have hardly thought of. If you didn't see the light blinking on your speedometer or wherever it is on, on whatever bike you're riding, telling you the traction control was activated, you'd never know it even happened. Yeah, that's a, that's exactly right. So what happens? Uh, it, the bike goes down um, and we slide quite a ways. Uh, my son was ejected when the bike went to the side. Um, so thank the Lord, he went to the side of the road. There was like a cement barrier. Um, now this is, there's traffic everywhere. Um, 
and I stay in the middle of the road. And um, as I'm sliding the tractor trailer that I'm passing, uh, I can see him. He's trying to stop. Um, and if you can picture somebody how when they're standing up on the brakes, I can see him clear enough. His arms are locked. There is smoke everywhere. And once again, thank the Lord, everybody gets slid to a stop. And I'm laying in the middle of a interstate in the middle of Kansas City. How is your son? Uh, I run back. He's, he's, of course, shocked, first of all. Um, and I get him across the road. And uh, we have uh, our gear on. We always ride. That's, that's a first. We always have our gear on. And um, he, he, his arm was hurt a little. Uh, he was complaining with it being sore. Um, but he had really no road rash, just a, a place or two on his side where his jacket had pulled up a little bit. Um, and he's terrified, of course. But as far as physically, he is okay. 70 mile an hour. Oh, mm-hmm. going down right. the road and your son and you kind of come out untouched. We come out untouched. Um, and, um, I think I told you in the, in the beginning, we are Christians and I give the glory to God for that. Um, honestly on a interstate like that in the middle of rush hour traffic and with all of my decisions I've made. I don't have much else of an excuse for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this thing, like like I said, when you originally told me about this, I'm thinking that you hit a vertical piece of metal, but this is something that th- this could happen to anyone. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if it's happened there before to somebody. Um, the EMTs that show up, uh, that showed up that day, were not surprised at all. Um, this is not apparently an uncommon thing. Um, extremely dangerous. And I'm really shocked that it's something um, that they have, something that's in use. It's, it's really dangerous. And that's not your state? No, no, that's not my state. Because if it was, it'd be, it'd be something worthwhile going in and complaining about or trying to raise awareness for. Because, I mean, you know, we, we've all run into r- railway tracks. We understand what happens there. And that's, the, that's a, I think, even worse because it's a wider piece, isn't it, that you hit? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the piece that I hit, I would say, um, and it, this is a guess, but I would say it's roughly a foot wide. Uh, it, it was pretty wide. Yeah, that's enough to get you going sideways. And then once you're sideways, that's it. It's done. You didn't high that side though. You slid. Didn't high side. Uh, it went down on the left side and, uh, that was really the only injury I got out of it. When the bike went down, it went down on my left leg. And as it was sliding, uh, it managed to pull my, my riding pants and stuff up. And it got uh, my left leg in a place. But once again, to be going 70 miles per hour, uh, it was nothing I, I, to, to what you would expect. Mm-hmm. Have you changed your riding style at all from that? Uh, we have. Um, one, I, I've never been big on highways uh, to begin with. Uh, I definitely would do back roads um, as much as you can, of course, you know realistically, uh, sometimes you have to get on a highway to get, you know, one spot to the other, but, um, and I would slow up. Um, I would do probably a quarter, uh, to a half of what I was doing a day would be my goal. Mm. So you said you're, you're tired. Maybe if you weren't tired, you might've, you might've thought twice approaching the bridge. Was it something you think you could have spotted normally? 
I think if I wouldn't have been as tired as I was um, and running um, the miles that we had, I think reflexes definitely slow down in those situations. Yeah. And when you're in a car, um, a little bit of mistake like that, generally, if you drift off the side of the road, you come right back. And, and it, it's not as big of a deal. On a motorcycle, you do not, you, you don't have that luxury. So what happened to the bike? The bike, uh, I had hard bags on it, um, and it had the floorboard-style uh, foot pegs, um, you know, the larger ones. Mm-hmm. And so it slid a lot on the bags, which I actually have hanging in my basement now as a, as a memory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they took a big part of the slide, um, and it pulled the handlebars up. It broke the clutch handle off. Uh, it broke the brake handle off. Um, it tore it up pretty bad, but I actually have put the bike back together, um, and it's back up and running. Uh, I tore the front fender off of it. Uh, it, it, it did a lot, but it's back together now. It's even amazing that you've managed to fix it up again. You think at the speed, again, <laughs> the, the bike would be garbage. So your trip's over at this point. Well, um, you would think so. Um, the EMT show up, and they were great. They were amazing. Uh, they actually looked us over and, you know, said, hey, do you want to go to the hospital, which we said we didn't. And I asked them at that point, my motorcycle started, I've picked it up, and I asked them if it would be possible if I could get my motorcycle to the motel. Now, the clutch lever, I have a little piece that's maybe, maybe a half an inch, but I'm running on adrenaline at this point, and it just sounded like a really good idea. Another great decision that I had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, they agreed. Uh, they put my son in a fire truck, and one run in front of me and one run behind me, and I had to use my right hand to get the clutch pulled in uh, to get it in gear and take off. And then, of course, we moved it pretty slow. I didn't go any speed at all. The bars had been jerked up to the point it looked like I had those big ape hangers things on it because it had pulled them straight up in the air. But we get to a motel and um, we get checked in and we go to Walmart, get some antiseptic spray, clean ourselves up. And uh, the next morning I have to get the motorcycle loaded on the back of the truck. Uh, We've rented a truck at this point. We've got to get home. Uh, So... It's a very flat area. Uh, There's no hills. uh, And I'm limited to where I can walk because I have to park the truck and walk back and get the motorcycle. I don't have anybody to drive, so I can't go far. Um, I find one little hill uh, that is maybe two feet high, and I back the truck up to it. And it's a muddy field, and I don't have a clutch, and I'm trying to get this motorcycle out to it. And, of course, I can't get the motorcycle on the back of the truck. So as you're always hearing on your show how good people are and how great people are to help, and my wife had been praying for me on this, and as we ride by this little business here, there was one guy standing outside, and he had a long ponytail and a Harley-Davidson shirt on. Uh, (laughs) So I said, this will be a great one to ask. So I hollered, kind of told him what had happened and said, you know, I need some help. And uh, he said, well, I don't know what we can do. I showed him where I was going to be and uh, just said, you know, if you can help, I'd appreciate it. And uh, it had started back raining pretty hard at this point. Um, I look, 
And uh, as he's walking up the hill, he has, it was six or seven of his friends with him. Uh, he's went and got help. And um, we picked the motorcycle up and set it on the back of the truck. And these were mostly Harley guys. And I'm on a Suzuki. You, you know, we exchanged pleasantries and they, they shook my hand and uh, away they went. Um, and it, it's really nice. People will, will jump in and help so much. There was a maintenance man at the place I was staying that uh, come and offered me tools and helped me get the bars back down on the motorcycle. People were so willing to help. They, they just wanted to do anything that they could to try to make it better. It, it was nice. Wow. Um, but after I get that done, I go back to the, to the motel and I tell my son the motorcycle's loaded. And I jokingly say to my, my son, I said, we ought to finish the trip. And uh, he looked me as dead in the eyes as he ever has and said, let's do it. So, so you're going to finish it with your rented truck, with your bike on the back. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what we did. Um, we had the, the motorcycle on the back and um, we, we left Kansas City and en route to Colorado and we made it, um, it was the, the next day that afternoon, we pulled to the top of Pikes Peak and, uh, my son wanted a t-shirt from Pikes Peak. It, it, that was his goal the entire trip. So it was, uh, end of July, I think is when we did this trip. And, uh, when we get to Pikes Peak, uh, it has started snowing on top of the mountain. And they're going to close the mountain because it is really pouring down. And it's at this point, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Vacation uh, with Clark W. Griswold going to Wally World. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I know it well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when we were going to get a T-shirt. It was happening. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the security guard's yelling at us as we're hobbling across a parking lot, but pieced together. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but we managed, uh, we got a t-shirt and we made it to the top of Pikes Peak. And you finished your trip. We finished our trip. Absolutely. We sure did. How does your son feel now about riding? I mean, th that has got to be one scary experience for him. Uh, it was a very scary experience, uh, but something happened on the way back that, that really surprised me. We got to spend a lot of time in the truck together and talking and he said, Dad, this is the, the best trip that I've ever been on. And um, at first, it made me realize how bad are the trips that we've been on in the past. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have talked but, about those instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perhaps. But um, what he meant was the stories. Uh, we've got stories that will last a lifetime. And and it, it's it's truly what you make out of it. And we're so thankful that, you know, of course, this could have been, went a lot different with, with if we'd have been injured or uh, worse than we were. But uh, it, it was, he, he, as soon as we got home, uh, I have a, another motorcycle. I have a DRZ. Uh, Y'all call him DRZ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he hopped on it back and we went for a little, little slow ride just uh, through the back roads here just to kind of get him back in the groove of it. So, but he's, he's back and ready to ride. How was he getting on for that, that first ride? He was nervous. Uh, he was extremely nervous and I was very cautious and very mindful. Um, 
you know, because I think at that time, if anything would have happened, I think that would have probably ended his, his motorcycling. And, and I certainly wouldn't want to be the cause of that. Mm. Um, but I think that was a, a very crucial time and whether he was going to ride again or not. When I was a kid, uh, we, we had horses and that was always, um, the thought process when, when you got thrown off, which unfortunately I did a lot because I used to do a lot of, uh, my sister bought and sold horses and I would go jump on them to try them. And we find out one, oh, that one doesn't ride. Try another one sort of thing. <laughs> but the, the attitude was always to get back on, to make sure that you don't, um, I guess, stew in the fear is what it is, you know, and then lose your nerve to, to do what you could do before. No problem at all. And I've heard that, um, well, I, as long as I can remember, um, and I, I never knew where it come from, but I've kind of applied it a lot in my life. You know, I've had other wrecks and stuff, of course, when I was younger and a little wilder. But yeah, I think when you, if you don't get back on, you don't take that opportunity. Like you say, say I, I think you just stew on it and the, 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 the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you? W were you affected by it? Did you have trouble getting back on the bike? Uh, not at all, uh, for me. Uh, now it affected me wanting to take, uh, my son for a ride. Uh, it really, really worried me that because I've ridden with him for years and, uh, you know, the potential is there, but when you're sliding up the road and you're looking backwards and you see all of these cars and you see your kid, um, it makes you look at things a, a lot different. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to really think about that. And what do you change now? Well, once again, I think you, you slow down, um, make better decisions. Anything can happen when you're on a back road in the area we live in. There's deer and there's always the potential that things can happen. But there's also good decisions that you can make that lessen, um, you, you know, that possibility. And um, speed and attention, I, th I think, are the major factors of that. Uh, if you can go through a corner at 70 mile an hour, you should honestly, you know, mindful of the speed limit and stuff, you should run 50. Uh, you have to allow yourself that room for error or you do stand a chance for correction or, you know, things happening. What about your trip planning now? Because you, you've already said that you knew you're moving too fast in your mind and um, you thought you'd slow down. So now when you're going to do the trip again, how will you do it different? Um, I will not be worried about the destination. Uh, the destination will be wherever we get in the time that is allotted. Um, you know, if we make it, that is great. If we don't, that is also great. Uh, I'm not gonna, gonna push it. Uh, there will be a lot of breaks and stopping and, uh, stretching and keeping yourself moving and, um, a lot more looking around at all the things that I rode past last time. Do you get to thinking about why you, you were, I mean, we sort of talked about this, but you, you know, why you were, you were so set on covering the distance and how that sort of works into a motorcycle ride? Uh, it, and it's funny, uh, because, you know, listening to this, if you listen to everybody, I think the number one thing they tell you was to slow down, uh, to do the exact opposite of what I was doing. And I knew it. Uh, I really, really did. I just fell into a zone 
um, of I want to get there. And um, I think it takes time when you live a life, you know, it's go, it's hectic. Uh, you got to get the kids here. You got to do this. It takes a few days for your mind to really slow down, to get into that uh, mindset of, hey, you know, this isn't a race. Um, you need to enjoy all of it. And um, I think uh, before we head back out for the next one, uh, I think I'll start getting in that mindset a few days before we leave. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, you know, because it does sort of come from our life. We're, we're, we are, we're so busy in the way everything is nowadays. Everything happens very quickly. We expect it to happen quickly. And, and it's very easy, I guess, to get that sort of into your, your idea of what a, a trip should be as well. In particular, if you have a destination, I mean, I, I think destinations can be, can be dangerous really in a way. And I, and I don't mean that just from your story. I mean, in general, whereas in my mind, and of course everybody's different because there are some people out there who, who really like to ride long distances and that's great if that's your thing and they'll, they'll make their, their changes and adjustments for it and the way they ride. But if you have a direction almost more than a destination, that, that almost seems like a better idea, doesn't it? In, in like you're in my type of th- thought process. I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, I think just having a general idea, uh, of where you want to go, you know, even a compass and point it west and where you go is where where you go. The destination for me truly ruined my trip. Um, and well, you know, by that I mean my decisions of trying to get to that so readily. Um, it, it just, it, it's all I could focus on. And um, as bad as I wish I could rewind it back and something else that I will do uh, next time that I didn't think about. I have did a lot of camping and and stuff all my life. Um, we live very rural area, so it, it, it's something we do. Um, but I think I would start sleeping in a tent a couple of days before I go, uh, because that's something if you're not doing, uh, your body has to adjust to. And uh, for me, not getting a good night's sleep, um, you know, because you don't rest as good uh, those first night or two, I, I don't think. So I think I would spend a little time before I left trying to get ready this time too. Mm-hmm. You mean because you find you're not as comfortable in the tent? That's why you're not sleeping as well? It, I think uh, at 47 years old, uh, at 27, I didn't have any problem in the world sleeping <laughs> on the ground. But at 47, I find if I'm not used to it, kind of like riding your motorcycle for the the first big ride of, of the year, you find yourself a little sore. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's what I was finding uh, after sleep, sleeping in the the tent for a little bit, uh, you know, a little creaky, little sore, and uh, I think that also wears you down a little bit too. So I think I would definitely try to get myself a little more in gear for the trip ahead of time. Yeah, a uh, little little better balance, I guess. I, I think my my sleeping pad tends to want to get thicker as I get older to, to accommodate <laughs> for that. If I could find out how to get a certain mattress on my motorcycle, it would go. <laughs> it there. Well, you can always get a trailer, of course, and, and tow one of those camper trailers. <laughs> Don't tempt me. <laughs> could you imagine how I could wreck and tear that up? It would be beautiful. <laughs> so when do you plan to do this trip again? Uh, we, it will, well, of course, depending on the pandemic and how things go, um, Probably sometime next year uh, would be my goal. Um, so we've we've had a lot of 
a lot of things going on here. Uh, working with the hospital, uh, of course, um, with the pandemic, we do a lot of the, the vaccine clinics and working with those. And um, hopefully things will get back up, geared up, and we can do some traveling here very soon. Well, uh, I wish you all the best with your upcoming trip and uh, hope you enjoy it much more. It doesn't sound like you didn't enjoy the trip. It just sounded like you had that incident that, uh, that really changed things. It did. Uh, we, we had a good trip. Um, it, it, I think uh, I could write a book now, uh, How Not to Take Your First Cross-Country Motorcycle <laughs> Trip. I, I made about every mistake I think you could. Um, but, but that's okay. That's how we learn and um, we grow. And if, if somebody else can, can, uh, can get something out of it and save theirself a little, little trouble by, by my heartache, maybe, maybe it was worth it. <laughs> Ronnie, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. You are very welcome. It was great talking to you. That was Ronnie Altus from his home in Franklin County, Virginia. We've got some photos from Ronnie's adventure with his son in the show notes for this episode on our website at adventureriderradio.com. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks, of course, to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you very much for being a part of this. Now, don't forget, we have another show called ARR Raw. It comes out once a month. You need to subscribe separately for that, and like Adventure Rider Radio, you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. And if you haven't done it already, we would love to get a five-star review from you on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcasts. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name's Jim Martin. Thank you very much for being a part of this. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, I'm Billy Bike Truck. You're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs>